time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Good to have you with us, everybody. It's Monday, September 30th, 2019, end of the quarter. Profit Doctor's got something to say about that. Dr. Profit Doctor. (laughs) We'll talk to you about that in just a minute. Anyway, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. In today's hot topic, we've got Dr. Alan Bernard, one of the leading decision scientists and theory of constraint experts in the world. As the CEO of Goldrat Research Labs, he has worked directly with Dr. Ellie Goldrat, internationally known for his studies in the theory of constraints. Anyway, talking really about the theory of constraints again, a lot of constraints out there. Can this theory of constraints work in your business? Well, we're going to have a workshop coming up on it, a master class. We'll tell you more about that in the podcast. We're proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out industrysyndicate.com. You go check out all the podcasts. A lot of them are origination-focused, but we're glad to be a part of that, as well as a part of the MBA, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America. The MBA has uh, their upcoming conference here in Austin, Texas, coming up in uh, the October, starting October. Well, Empower starts on October 26th, and the conference starts the following day on Sunday, the October 27th. Hope you're going to be here. I'm registered. We'll look forward to seeing you at the conference. Really excited about that. Black Knight I want to say a special thank you to them as a sponsor. Their actionable intelligence platform delivering data that drives growth and reduces costs. Go to their website, blackknightinc.com. Appreciate their sponsorship as well as Open Mortgage, leading buyer of reverse mortgage loans as well as a home of some of the top LOs. And Finastra, who's got their FusionBot solution and also their mobile app. I'm telling you, it is faster than a rocket, as they say, competing with that other company. Check it out. We're just uploading a new video about their new app. I encourage you to check it out on our website, Look It On Lending. Also, ResX Warehouse Lending, a division of United Bank. Check out Ken Jones's recent interview on September 16th, just a few weeks back, on the three pillars of successful leadership. Also, special thank you to our collaboratives and our co-ops, Lenders One Co-op, the leading one of the first ones out there in the market, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops create competitive advantages for both lenders and vendors, and we encourage you to check out their websites, and you go to again to our website. Also, Velma, Brent Ambler and the team. Brent just sent me an email. We've got some new things that are cooking up here. We're going to be checking that out. Check out Velma.com, as well as KnowledgeCoop, providing providing easy and fun training for mortgage lenders. And then Vidyard, which is a powerful video communications tool, as well as our friends at AI Assist, powered by Conversica. Again, Roman Venfield had an interview that we had and played on the podcast on July 16th. 2019. And then finally, a special thank you goes to Alice, Andy, Alan, and Joe 
for their contributions to this podcast. Rob Van Raphorst does a great job of bringing us a weekly MBA Mortgage Minute. So without further ado, Rob, what you got? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, President Trump signed the FY2020 Continuing Appropriations Act. This is another continuing resolution that will avoid a government shutdown and fund the federal government through November 21st, 2019. The bill extends several programs that were scheduled to expire at the end of FY 2019, the National Flood Insurance Program, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families Program, and the Export-Import Bank, among others. Also last week, the House Financial Services Committee's Subcommittee on Housing, Community Development, and Insurance held a hearing on the FHA HECM program. The hearing's purpose was to explore the reverse mortgage program's benefits and challenges. Representative Joyce Beatty questioned witnesses on whether policymakers should consider separating FHA's HECM and Ford Mortgage Programs, which are both supported by the Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Special thank you to Robin. Really appreciate that. Les Parker got an update with the TM Spotlight, so let's get the macro view of the markets. Les. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Aimforce Advisors. Upside, inside, out. Bulls living la vida loca. Bears push and pull bonds down. Living la vida loca. Watching expectations shift makes traders go insane. How will hopes change for Brexit, China, and Hong Kong? What about shrinking liquidity at banks in both the advanced economies and emerging markets? How does Germany's looming recession affect others? Will value move in the 30-year mortgage rates outside of 380 and 350? Will the value range in the 10-year yield move beyond 2% or 1.4%? The bouncing market and dancing uncertainty is driving rates crazy. Living la vida loca. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Good job, Les. Good job, good job, good job. Yeah, you know what? I'm in my car doing this podcast and losing my iPad. I forgot to hit the unmute button so you guys didn't hear all the stuff going on around here. Anyway, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, it takes a team to do it. So good job, Les. Joe Farr, good to have you here. Everything technology was working with you fine, sir. I'm hearing you fine. Well, that's good. What you got for the weekly market update this week? Today we're up just a little bit. The Chicago PMI number fell a good bit in September. But despite that, you know, that is often a volatile reading. And NPS prices may be a little higher after the, its release. But stocks are up nicely, even though that came out. There's been so much other stuff driving the stock market that uh, this is a minor event. So looking at last week, Dave. NBS prices for the week were basically flat. You know, a down day on Wednesday was offset by good days on Thursday and Friday. And a lot of the fluctuations in NBS prices seem to be connected to moves in the stock market. So as investors shifted holdings between safe investments like government guaranteed bonds like NBS and riskier assets like stock, we saw those movements. On Wednesday, there was some optimism for a trade deal with China, which stocks higher and bonds move lower. Then on Friday, Trump's threat to place restrictions on U.S. investments in China caused the markets to go the other way to reverse that sell. And we've had some good housing data. Last week, we had good data two weeks ago. Last week, we had good data again. New home sales and pending home sales reports for August both far exceeded expectations. 
New home sales now have the best three-month average since 2007, so that's saying a lot. Wow. Both of those measures are for contracts signed, so they're a good indication of closings to come as well as mortgage originations to come, so that's a, that's a good measure. The consumer data that came out last week, Dave, was mixed. The consumer confidence numbers fell a little bit while consumer sentiment rose. Not sure the inner workings, why one's moving in one direction and the other's moving in the other. One has to do more with employment, and uh, that's the one that, that fell a little bit. There was no change in the second quarter estimate for GDP. It stayed at 2%. On Friday, the uh, core PCE came out. The August reading rose at an annualized rate of 1.8%. That was as expected. But when you look at the trend, it was up from 1.7 in July, and that was up from 1.6 in June, which was up from 1.5 in April. So it's certainly showing a trend toward the Fed's goal of 2%, which could play in the Fed's decision-making process at its next meeting. Now, looking at the week ahead this week, Dave, there are several really possible market-moving events. Of course, highlighted by Friday's jobs report, uh, the consensus calls yeah. for 145,000 net new jobs in September, and, and there's no change expected in, in the unemployment rate. Also during the week, important information from the Institute of Supply Management, the ISM Manufacturing Index for September is expected to show a slight improvement. While on Thursday, the ISM Services Index is expected to show a slight drop. There are Fed speakers just about every day during the week, including a speech by Fed Chairman Powell on Friday at 2 o'clock. There is a lot going on in the news, as I'm sure everyone's aware of China trade issues. Just think about all this. Uh, There was an announcement that the trade talks will resume on October 10th, which is a good thing. But then think of all the other things that have been introduced in the last few days. The U.S. Trade Commission's launching an investigation into several Chinese tech companies for patent infringement. The U.S. has also imposed some sanctions on several Chinese companies for alleged transportation of Iranian oil. There are reports that say the president's considering, as, as we heard on Friday, limiting investments by U.S. companies in China. And there was some talk about delisting Chinese companies. The market really isn't putting too much stock in those last two things. But, you know, when you think about going into a discussion, trade talks in 10 days, you got to ask yourself if these things are going to be good or bad for those talks. We'll see. Uh, yeah. And then we got impeachment proceedings. What's that going to do to the market? So far, it <laughs> hasn't done much. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what you certainly could change is new information comes out. And you got Hong Kong and Iran yeah. and Les mentioned Brexit. I mean, there's just a lot going on, which it was nice to have a uh, relatively flat week last week, but it certainly has not been the case and may not be the case this week. That's interesting when economic data always gets trumped by political data. And with Trump in there, I think we're always going to have some surprises. But as far as this impeachment thing, I think it's just some bad political theater. I'm not sure. We'll see. But you know what? doesn't matter. It's how the markets perceive it and where it's going to go. So good stuff. Good information. Thanks, Joe. Really yeah. appreciate the economic calendar stuff. But I tell you, we're spending more time looking at the news than we are economic data. That's for sure. Sure is. The bigger, bigger. Yeah, it seems like the bigger one. Have a great week, Joe. Looking forward to having you Thank back you. next week. Appreciate you being here with us today and giving us an update. Folks, we're going to run over to Scott Gordon of Open Mortgage talking about the science of sales. Scott? It's been ingrained in us since we were kids that every time someone says, thank you, you're supposed to say, you're welcome. It's expected. But what if I told you that your expected behavior is not building a bridge? 
One of the fundamental aspects of meaningful relationships is the understanding that you and your partner are in it together. So you help each other out with no need to expect gratitude for favors or services because you expect them to do the same for you someday. Instead of saying you're welcome, simply say, hey, I know you do the same for me. This changes the dynamic of your relationship. It builds upon the science of reciprocity and implies that you now have the relationship where favors are freely exchanged. This is a minor change in your day-to-day communication, but the results could be huge. If it sounds too good to be true, it's not. It's just the science of sales. Good job, Scott. Appreciate that. Andy and I were having a barbecue on Friday, Saturday. It was a good time with Andy. I always enjoy my time with him. We were talking about the Science of Sales segment. He really liked the last week's segment. So we'll get his thoughts on this week's segment as well in just a minute. But Alice Alvey's here. Thanks, Alice, for jumping in and helping me out when I'm in my car. And I, I think I need to mute so I can drink some coffee and do this, that big mute button there. <laughs> I forgot to shut it off so I could come back on. But thanks for being with us, Alice, and jumping in and saving me. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Dave. Anytime. You know, I start, it starts to feel like a couple seconds starts to feel like minutes. <laughs> so, oh, I know. Yeah. Isn't that true? The good yeah, news, Paul so, fixes uh, all of that in the in the post-production. He fixes all of that and makes it all, all better. He does such a good job of that. But anyway. We should mention that we uh, interviewed Bill Cosgo for an upcoming podcast we got. We got to do this last week. It was really fun. But Alice Alley, for those of you who do not know, I can't imagine that, but she is CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. Here she is with this week's weekly update. Trying to get that in there. I, I have so much fun just visiting with you. I don't always put your title in there for those that may not know you. Well, I'm sure there's quite a few of them. So for those of you who might be first-time listeners, I just kind of pick out the hot topics on the legislative front. So usually if you start talking about cannabis, people pay attention uh, in the industry today. So I think <laughs> i kick off with that. <laughs> um, so just, uh, <laughs> oh, wow, this is a great segment. They talk about weed. Um, so anyway, the, the cannabis banking bill, obviously those of you may, who work with this, right, you, you have a borrower who maybe runs a shop and you're like, well, wait a minute, how do I use that as qualifying income if maybe in some views it is a legally run business or it is a legally run business, but then at the same time the income coming in can't be held at many of the banks. And so how do you manage all of that? So MBA's actually engaging in this to make sure that the bill a bill just recently came through it's called the secure fair enforcement act banking act of 2019 which you know couldn't we give it a different name we already have a safe act so they named it another safe (laughs) act so this doesn't have anything to do with mlo licensing and they wouldn't put mlo licensing and cannabis together i assure you so um the bipartisan bill (laughs) did pass by 321 to 103 margin um, amendments that would prevent CIFA from taking an adverse supervisory action on a loan made to an owner or an employee of a cannabis-related business were added to the bill before the House actually passed this. So who knows what will happen in the Senate, right? For those of you trying to remember the order of your civics class, on this particular case, the bill just passed the House. We've got a long way to go. Not sure what will happen for it in the Senate, but at least it got one step closer to being able to help these folks with their mortgages. Um, second on top of that, it's temporary authority. This is a big topic coming up. For those of you who might have used the word transitional licensing, you need to stop using that term because this is not being licensed. 
it's temporary authority while you as an MLO are in between licenses to be yeah. able to take an application. Yeah. So we really stress to folks, don't think of yourself as I'm getting a transitional license. It's really I'm walking away from one license. I'm still trying to finish qualifying for my next license, and I'm allowed to take applications in between. So uh, there are, I hear a little blinging, Dave, just so you know. <laughs> so I hear, there are two scenarios where this applies to you. First is you want to switch from a bank to a lender, and now you need temporary authority to keep taking applications during that transition. The other one is I am already – I'm going to stay at the same company, but now I want to add – another state to uh, where I want to be licensed to take additional apps from that state. So again, I get temporary authority to be able to keep moving forward and take apps for a specified period of time. So what I wanted to let everybody know is in the MBA's advisory update that comes out on Monday, came out today, there's a link in there to the MBA's webinar. It's about an hour and a half, so get a cup of coffee uh, and put your feet up. But it does cover a lot about who is eligible how long does temporary authority last? All the details you'd want to know. The quick sound bites for all of you that I want to make sure you're absolutely paying attention to is they have made it very clear that you need to be employed with somebody, right? And I'm, I'm actually now licensed for 30 continuous days. During the past 30 days, I've been continuously employed. And then I've been registered for at least the past 360 days, 65 days, sorry, a full year, and you were registered that entire time. Now, there is a little bit of a leeway in case you had a break in service that was less than 14 days. And so there's lots to understand as you kind of think about all of the little rules that go with trying to make sure I manage my transition appropriately. All of you loan officers who are out there working at banks going, I got to move. I want to get to an independent mortgage banker. How do I do this? Uh, the company that you're moving to should be well-versed in helping you get through that. So we have, for example, an entire licensing team that helps make this super smooth for loan officers uh, who have to walk through that transition. Um, so lots to listen and learn about because um, this becomes eligible November 24th. So, Dave, I will pass it back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe Dave did drop. He hit the wrong button. So, Andy, I'm going to turn it over to you for the Profit Doctor segment. All right. Thanks, Alice. Appreciate that. Yeah, I can just see Dave with a cup of coffee in one hand, sitting in the car. He's got all the buttons in front of him, and you know he's a he's a he's a squirrel guy. He gets distracted by shiny things, so he pushed the wrong button and pop, his line went out. So let's just keep going. So, Alice, you've been talking about cash flow. And that's always an interesting point because you're talking about cash flow at weed firms. So if you're a, if you're yes. a weed firm <laughs> and you put your money at a bank account at a federally federally insured depository, which is in pretty much any bank in the country, those funds are subject to federal seizure because it's a violation of federal law. So that's a bad thing. So good thing in mortgage company, we do have cash flow issues, but we don't run the risk of having all of our funds seized. But cash flow is an important topic. So cash flow is, is the gasoline of business. People have heard about accounting as the language of business. Well, cash flow is the gasoline of business. Cash flow is the fuel. Cash flow is the, the element that keeps it moving. It's the, it's the stuff you need for the flux capacitor to run. So if you run out of gas, that's a bad thing. You run out of fuel, that's a bad thing, especially when you have payroll that's due the next week. 
So let's not do that. But we're heading into the slower part of the year. So we're not going to have as much volume in the fall, typically. So that means that we need to be really mindful of our cash flow. We've got to watch that gas tank gauge of our cash flow flowing through our business. So for a lot of mortgage companies, that means we need to create this gas gauge. And here's where it gets confusing for folks. The profit and loss net income is not the gas gauge for cash flow. Not to get too technical about this, give you a quick example. Net income is for mortgage companies is an accrued process, an accrual, things that we're going to make. And it's an accrual of both tangible and intangible revenue. So like the unrealized gain of the interest rate law commitment is intangible revenue, but it shows up in the P&L indistinguishably. You can't tell of the net income how much was from actually collecting cash on gain on sale and how much was it because you just locked a new loan. So you've got to be able to understand that. And this indistinguishable of intangible revenue is a real problem because it looks like you can spend it, but you can't. So you've you got to augment the P&L statement to be able to understand your gas gauge. Let me say it another way. Do not use your P&L statement as a measure of cash flow. It will be wrong. And the more locks you have and the way that you are treating the interest rate lock commitment derivative asset can totally mess this whole thing up and you think you've got money when you don't. So let's be really careful about that. Let's focus on cash flow. So, so to do that, to think about cash flow, you've got to look at inputs and outputs, things that come in, things that go out. So money in is a good thing. We like getting money in. And I'm not talking about revenue recognition. I'm talking about cash deposited into our bank account. And our bank account is secure and safe and when it's not going to get seized because we're not in the weed business. So the things that come in are most often gain on sale, loan fees, loan closings, and when the loans are purchased. Those are the two big drivers that make cash flow go up. And the things that make cash flow go out are, well, loan fundings again because we have a portion of the haircut we have to cover typically and sometimes the loan fees aren't, aren't enough to cover everything. We also have to pay payroll and pay all of the commissions, and we've got occupancy expenses that we have to pay. So money going out are the things that we have to have cash flow to support. Now, here's the part that gets tricky in mortgage banking. We collect the gain on sale when the loan is sold, but we actually count the gain on sale. This is the really crazy part. We count the gain on sale when the loan's locked. How insane is that? Gain on sale counted when the loan's locked gain on sale collected in cash when the loan's sold. So that's why you can't use the P&L. So we're going to look at what's actually happening. So when a loan yeah. closes, Dave, you're back? I'm back. Yeah, good job, Eddie. You're covering So when a loan closes, we were talking about some of this recently. Well, yeah, let me finish my point. I'm like right in midstream here. So when the loans close, it triggers a commission expense. And that commission expense is typically due within two weeks. But you don't get the money for the commission expense until the loan is sold. So what happens if the investor is super busy because everybody's got refis and they're slower to purchase the loans and you don't get the loans purchased by the time that the payrolls do? Well, where are you going to get the money for payroll for the closed loans because you haven't sold them yet? 
This is what you got to watch. This is the whole key point of a mortgage company cash flow forecasting. You got to do it week by week by week by week and identify which investors, which loan products, which loans are getting purchased quickly when the commissions are due so that you can make certain that you don't run out of gas because that would be a disaster. We don't want to miss a payroll. That's a bad thing. So watch the stuff. Pay attention to cash flow. And that is Dr. Shell, the Prophet Doctor, for this week. And there you go, Dave. Back to you. you well, hopefully it's back to me. I was uh, having trouble. The Block Talk Radio's website just keeps muting me. And it's, so I had it all on here in the car. Everything was good, and then it just worked that way. So anyway, thank you. Good job. It's fun having barbecue with you on uh, on Saturday as well, Andy. Appreciated that. Absolutely. And, uh, so much fun. I want to talk about your, you are now officially Dr. Andy Shell, the prophet doctor. So it is official, official. I guess it was, a, we may have said that last week, but got to stress it. It's a very big, big accomplishment to get your doctorate. And he no more finished it, listeners, and he enrolled for another doctorate program. I mean, isn't it like, yeah, like I just had one root canal. I enjoyed it so much. I want to go and just have another one done, even though I don't need it. That just cracks me up. Well, you've got to be able to communicate the, the solutions that are identified. And so this, this next PhD is actually in communications, which is a much broader topic. It's kind of closer to music and psychology, oh, yeah. but it's about how to communicate, how to get people to hear what you're saying, how to know how to present it so that they'll hear what you said. Yeah. And you're, you're gifted at that, Dave. You're very naturally gifted. But I'm going to expand on this so I can write my books on how to teach people about how to understand financial statements of mortgage companies. Good. The Prophet Doctor with a real official title, Doctor. You bet. Want you guys to consider Knowledge Cube. If you're looking for a fun and easy training technology, check out our friends at Knowledge Cube. Hey, Nathan here from the Knowledge Cube. Do you need to teach a course? Have you considered maybe using the Socratic method? See, it's a process of using questions that engage learners to question their assumptions in order to eliminate contradictions. The primary goal is not to have listeners try to answer unanswerable questions, but to get them to develop critical thinking and to keep them engaged in your topic. Have you got some training to do? Check out the Knowledge Cube for fun and easy video-based training for the mortgage professionals out there. And it's all powered by a smart digital platform. Check out KnowledgeCoop.com. We've got our good friend, Alan Pollock, with us, and he was at the tech conference. I am interested to hear what you learned at the tech conference. Good to have you here. So good to be here. Thanks for the intro. Andy, congratulations on the PhD. I didn't know that was completed as well. And, um, you know, digital, yeah, digital mortgage was awesome. Um, the reason it was awesome is that, you know, you get to, you get to see 40-plus demos. You get to hear what technology companies are thinking of. Um, I, I have a couple notes here that I'll read off. I, I don't want to go through the whole conference. I'll be more than happy to talk to anyone that wants to chat. But um, it, the conference gets bigger and bigger every year. This year was the biggest. Um, a lot of people were walking around saying they had a great time. And I don't mean time by the events and get-togethers afterwards. I mean just by, you know, the, the types of technology they got to, to watch and see and even touch and feel. Um, you know, these demos had to be real live demos. They couldn't be PowerPoints or screenshots. And so let's go through a couple of these. The first one, David, uh, there was a lot of talk about appraisal management technology. Um, there was a few companies that were offering this, Exos, Regora, and there was one or two others. And, and basically giving the borrower control over ordering the appraisal. 
and being notified yeah. and transparent during the process, even receiving the appraisal afterwards. The other thing that I thought was interesting, this is my second item, was a company called Brace. Brace is servicing technology, and what they're doing that's really unique is that it, it's loss mitigation. It's based on being able to identify issues that are going to happen before they happen and using technology to help smooth out that process, reduce time, maybe even look for better opportunities for those customers that are being serviced. So very interesting on the servicing side. You know, we've heard of Capsalon, we've heard of Low Logic. This is my third item. Those two companies, and there was others as well. By the way, everybody's talking about automated OCR and data extraction. There's a lot of different terms to define it. What they were showing is that they were showing automated underwriting being a part of uploading documents and extracting data and automating it. Both of them had very different experiences, but very much the same as far as trying to move the loan faster, automating it, re retrieving that data and, and making things more efficient, right? Using the human element, the people power, where it's truly needed and not where it's not needed. Point of sale, David, number four. Point of sale was still strong. Many point of sale vendors there. Many people offering point of sale solutions. I have to tell you, the demos all showed great. There was way too many vendors to mention. Many focused on different types of interview styles. Some took a different approach, like Black Knight was there, and they talked about how they're more of a TurboTax interview type of style rather than fill out questions. I can tell you that everybody's working towards the transparency, faster speed, really enabling borrowers. There was one vendor in particular um, there's actually two of them. Customizations were important, right? Completely being able to customize the experience. I'll tell you what was missing. The judges, and there were new judges this year, except for one of them was the same. The judges basically said, we were missing live communication, the ability to instantly chat. We're missing real-time collaboration, notifications. Those were things that they may be there, but in that eight-minute demo each technology company has, right, there wasn't enough time to explain that. But that's what they said was missing from the point-of-sale side. A couple more I'm going to go through really quick, David. Nest Ready. Um, Nest Ready is kind of interesting. They're working towards the buyer process. And as a loan officer, for example, you can implement their technology and your potential borrower or your leads can actually track all of the homes that they're looking at. And this will then further track the relationship with the realtor. It will track the price of the home. It'll provide in additional information about all of the properties in the area and how the home price is doing in the market. The things you would look at individually, it aggregates it together, but it keeps the pricing and the, and the communication and the relationship with the loan officer intact. So you want to check out Nest Ready. Next one, David, it's Finlocker. So cool what they have. Oh, yeah. It's almost like we've heard the word PFM. It's not exactly. It is a full, let's say a 360 degree of your personal finances, but they really are. And they're going to be tied, by the way, to financial institutions and in all types of consumer products, right? Credit cards, auto loans, unsecured loans. But they were focused on mortgage. They're a D1C approved vendor, so they have income and liabilities. Um, they look at your larger financial well-being. They have a live AI chat piece embedded, and they truly help you get a better view of um, your financial well-being and getting into a new mortgage or even getting a home equity line approved. Construction management, David, was big. Land Gorilla was the one demo that I liked just major efficiencies in the process of disbursement and just, and just trans management recording. If you're big in construction management lending, you want to take a look at Land Gorilla. By the way, David, one of my favorites, not who the winner was, and I'm going to announce that in a second. One of my favorites was LBAWare. They released a brand new BI platform called Lime Gear. It's got a Kanban view of columns that you can customize 
and you can customize the cars to see loans and aspects of the loan risk and different elements based on the status and the milestones they're in. And they even have where you can customize the components. You can, they have hundreds of components, and you can even customize metrics and thresholds as to how things color and alert you. Very interesting, by the way. So you want to check out LBAWare. Yeah. Uh, one more, yeah, one more I did want to mention, which is um, Jane.ai. If you remember that, um, Jane.ai was a company that um, basically was for the loan officer. You can interact with it and say, hey, how many closings do I have today? And Jane would go and find that. Well, the name of their company has changed. It's actually called Capacity, and they've expanded what they're uh, – instead of just asking questions and getting answers, they've expanded their AI platform to now actually be able to do more things, right, to almost like RPA to actually perform tasks and, and run things in parallel. So you want to check out Capacity. They had a great demo. So there was two winners, David. The winners were, are you ready? It was Finicity. Yes. So I didn't tell you that Finicity really? went on, but Finicity has a full income analysis that they do. They said the automated verification is only 25% of the loans that are done today. It's a full waterfall. It's usually a manual process. They've completely automated it. They won the prize, but they shared it with CoreLogic, who has their brand new platform called Automate IQ. It's actually Automate IQ Collateral, and it's it basically technology that says who owns the property, what's it worth, and what is its risk profile like. And if you know CoreLogic and all the technology that they have, they basically put all these things together, and they, this is the result of the aggregation of those different the logic and those technologies and, and those platforms. But I will tell you, efficiencies, effectiveness, transparency, those are all the hot topics. The industry is getting much further along. And then second to that, David, I also I left Digital Mortgage and ran over to the five-star conference in Dallas. I spoke on a panel oh, yeah. uh, with a couple of great people. It was a fintech lab at the five-star conference. I saw great attendance there, by the way. My panel was uh, moderate. The whole fintech lab was managed by strategic venture partners. I don't know if you all may know Jennifer McGinnis and Dietrich Dunn. Uh, they did a fantastic job. Um, my panel specifically was digital mortgages, the future of lending. And what we really focused on was not that, hey, digital mortgages are here or, um, hey, you need a digital mortgage. It was about how to really implement digital mortgage, what to look out for, how, how, what does it mean, not just today, but for the future, how to better integrate solutions together, how to manage those solutions. Really, David, a lot of the things we talk about on the, on, on the, on the segments here as well as what Alice and what Andy talk about. We had um, an attorney on our panel who talked about, you know, how to correctly get through contracts, how to manage compliance correctly. It's not just as simple as buying technology and installing it. And so if you were at Five Star and you were at my panel, thank you for being there. But otherwise, more than happy to chat with anybody. And uh, that's the quick digital mortgage roundup. Oh, good David, job. I'm going to steal another second. Uh, we, we are, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to put together a survey and we're going to get that out to everybody. I tracked all the things that people say when they were showing technology. I'm just going to read a couple, and I'd love to see what, what our, what our audience thinks. So, yeah. So I'm just going to read a couple quick ones. I heard borrower touch points. I heard time suck, stare and compare, never go off platform. I heard liberate human talent. I heard uh, point of sale consolidation. I heard enable customer for life. Here's just a couple quick mores. People spackle. Uh, that was a funny one. I heard simple, fast, <laughs> accurate. Um, it's all about accessibility, unified platform, stitching in with the partners, lineage of data, and I'll end it. I'll end it with this one: fancy schmancy technology. So <laughs> I've got, yeah, I've got a nice big list. Oh, Why don't funny. we put together? 
why don't we put together a survey? Let's get it out to our audience and let people vote on the on the best or the That'd funniest. Be or the, yeah. That'd be hilarious. That'd be good. Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea. Appreciate it. Thanks for the update. A lot of information. I heard it was well. It was a great conference. I did not know that you also went to Five Star and spoke at that. It's good to hear that that was well attended. So good job. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Very, Thank very you. much. You bet. Good to have you back and at work. About time you do some work and traveling around, all the things you do. And glad to hear about Lori with LBA. We're launching that new product. Very excited yeah. to hear about more about that. Very good. Well, folks, we are excited to uh, be wrapping up the first part of the podcast. I also want to say next week we're going to be having, because I'm going to be jumping in and running to the airport here in just a minute, going in and catching a flight. So we have the pre-recorded podcast that I'll talk about in just a minute. But I want to tell you, next week we're going to have Marsha Davies on, and we're going to talk to you about Empower. We are going to be there again this year with the podcast, recording many interviews but if you are there, and Alice, you can, if you're still on the line, you can jump in. And, and just the importance of Empower and make sure you have good representation at the conference. Alice, you want to add anything to that? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, the agenda is terrific, and uh, it really does help the women of the organization come together even as their own team. So by sending a group of women to your, from your company to the event, it gives them opportunities to share ideas as well as learn from speakers who are there. We all have walked away. All the years has been held with lots of great information and energy that really can have a long-term impact on your organization. So I really stress send a group of women to that event. You will see the benefits. Yes, you'll see the benefits. Yes, yes, for sure. Thank you, Alice. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, ResX Warehouse Lending, a division of United Bank, the MBA, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, also known as TMC, and the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, CMLA, Velma, Knowledge Coop, Vidyard, and AI Assist. If you're interested in learning more about advertising with us, we just picked up another advertiser, another lender. Glad to have more lenders coming on board. Appreciate you making this program possible. Also, then, a special thank you goes out to Alice, Allen, Andy, and Joe for their ongoing contributions. We can't say enough about our uh, producer, our uh, sound man. So a special thank you to him. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.